you know, Father, USF is a very large school. A lot of students go there. You went there. So wouldn't it be cool if we had somebody else come on to talk about this very large school? I think it would. And um, I know do, just the guy. Do, do we have someone possibly on this podcast right now to, to help talk about I this think, school? I think we do. It's uh, the very famous Joey Johnston, who uh, worked with me for probably more years than he would like to admit at the Tampa Tribune. Um, and now as a member of the USF radio team uh, on uh, the flagship station, WDAE in Tampa. Uh, we hope they have some football to uh, bring us this year. Uh, but uh, Joey's a great friend. And, and let me tell you this. I don't think that there's anybody in the Bay Area that is as plugged in in areas like this than Joey. Joey knows everybody. Everybody knows Joey. And it's an even more impressive, everybody likes Joey. So, you know, so Joey Johnston. Say that about me. Joey Johnston, yeah. you're on Tampa Bay Sports with the Hendersons. How does it feel? It, it's, it feels great. It's an honor. I'm, I've uh, come upon your show before and listened. And, uh, of course, always, always uh, want to hear uh, what Joe has to say. And uh, I know he's raised a fine young man in Ben, so, who's launched a great career in athletics himself. So I certainly – want to hear what you have to say so hopefully i can add something to what you guys already uh, already have going here yeah definitely well, not my brother going. though yeah that for, forget my brother he lives in chicago no nobody cares about him so let's go let's talk about usf and what's going on there at fowler avenue joey obviously the big worry right now is if we're even gonna have a season um, to my knowledge, USF has not even had has not had a major breakout of COVID in their offseason training. Um, do you think that that's just because of luck, or do you think USF's doing a little more due diligence than some of these other schools? Well, I think they are doing due diligence. They're taking it seriously, and uh, I, I would say that you know the the head coach, the first year head coach Jeff Scott certainly wants to play uh, badly and wants to get on the field, but he has, he seems to have a real good handle on the seriousness of this situation and, and is not going to compromise anything. Certainly he's frustrated. I mean, he got one spring practice in and then the virus hit and they had to disperse. Uh, now they are back on the field and, and doing what they can and trying to move forward. I'm sure inside it's got to be driving him crazy as he tries to launch this program into into a new era, but I, I definitely have the sense that that he knows how to treat this with the proper seriousness. He has his players' health in mind as the top priority, and that is uh, the bottom line. He's not going to let anything uh, compromise that. So moving forward, hopefully we'll get to see what he puts on the field. Uh, but he even said it the other day as they as they reconvene for practices mantra is we're going to enjoy the day we're in and not look past that day because you don't know what tomorrow brings. So they are literally, and it's such a cliche, but it is true now. They are literally taking it one day at a time. Well, um, in that case, let's look ahead to one day in early September when USF is supposed to, as of now, travel to 
Austin, Texas to play the Longhorns. That game appears to be in jeopardy. We know that they've already lost the Bethune-Cookman game and the Nevada game. So what is your read on what's going to happen with the schedule, Joey? Well, I think you're right. Bethune-Cookman is out. Nevada is a member of the Mountain West, and uh, they just have one non-conference game, and they're going to they're going to keep it in their region. Texas, I think, is going to be the same thing, where they're as of now the Big Twelve is scheduled to play nine conference games and one non-conference, and by all likelihood, that looks to be Texas hosting UTEP, an in-state opponent. So uh, I think from from here on in the people that, that really follow it from the inside, the, their interest is going to be how is USF going to recoup the money that, uh, that they would have received by playing at Texas, which was $1.9 million, which is no small figure for the athletic budget of USF. So that is, I think, the drama of the USF-Texas game. It's not will a game be played. It's where will that money go. Uh, unfortunate, because we were all looking forward to that Texas game. It was once a three-game series. It got reduced down to one this year, and now that appears to be out the door. So that would have been uh, a heck of a, a heck of a fun trip and experience, but that's just uh, the way things go. So as it stands now, realistically, uh, the game that is on the schedule that we have a good feeling that, that will be played is at Florida Atlantic, which is a story unto itself with Willie Taggart being the head coach and Jim Levitt being the defensive coordinator. So uh, you don't have to really build that one up too high. Uh, USF is, is, is actually looking uh, very actively at other non-conference games that may fill in some slots prior to uh, the September 26th uh, spot of Florida Atlantic. So this is to say this is a fluid situation would be uh, highly underestimating the word fluid. It is uh, day by day, hour by hour, and we stay loose because it changes all the time. Sure. We know yesterday the MAC conference, and we're recording this on August 9th, that the MAC has opted to move all their football to the spring. Are you getting the sense that the AAC might take that direction? Uh, it's possible, but I don't think they're going to be in a lead, lead dog position. I think if they do, it would follow some other decisions by larger conferences. I think uh, most people think the next dominoes to fall, if they do fall, would be uh, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten. Uh, they are going to make a decision, I think, here in the next couple of days. If they were to decide to pull the plug and, and possibly move to the spring, I think the whole thing could, uh, could follow suit. Uh, with the only wild card being the SEC, strangely enough, the SEC could be the lone fall league playing. Um, and it's funny how these things work. You know, when the uh, the, the body doesn't uh, isn't dead for long before the vultures come. I know there were reports yesterday of of other schools poaching the MAC rosters already, trying to get kids to transfer. Uh, there's also some talk now that the NFL might play on Saturday if there are no college games to fill the TV slots. So this is uh, this is the wild west in real time here. Yeah, and this week will be very interesting to see how it unfolds. Listen, in the SEC, it just means more. You, you just, you know. <laughs> it, it that's, that's, what, that's what we hear, yeah. You're right. All right. So, so let's talk a hypothetical here. If and when they play games, whether it's in the fall or whether it's in the spring, let's just assume at some point they are going to play some football games. 
obviously this is a squad that needs improvement, which is why Jeff Scott is here. What is your sense, just hearing things from camp about areas that they were weak at last year that do seem to potentially be improving? Well, the really the, the uh, two areas first, and I'll, I'll group one together, the, both, both, both sides of the ball on the line, the offensive and defensive line. Uh, really, I thought when, when USF uh, got a lot better in recent years under, uh, under Willie Taggart, uh, they had such stability on the offensive line, and their defensive line was not only deep, it, it just created constant havoc and uh, they just disrupted opposing offenses. And that even more, the, uh, you know, Quentin Flowers, obviously you can't discount what he brought to the program, but the fact that their, their lines were dominant on both sides of the ball was, it was a huge factor, and I don't think that came close to happening the last couple of years, and that, that really told the tale of why USF's program started to unravel. So they've got to get bigger, faster, and better on both sides of the ball, and also – they need playmakers. Uh, last year, they had almost none, particularly at the wide receiver position, which is unheard of in the history of USF's program. They've always had a fleet of big play wide receivers, uh, and then they just sort of evaporated. So they've got to shore up that position and, and get guys that can catch and, and run, run away from people and make plays and score touchdowns because they did not have that at all last year. And Jeff Scott knows this. He is, uh, you know, making sure they're beefed up and they've got good play on both sides of the line. And he is looking for guys that can separate, guys that can make plays. Uh, because without that, you're going to have a pretty uh, dull, if not mediocre, program, which is what USF became last year. Joey, um, by all the uh, sites that pay attention to this sort of thing, USF's recruiting of high school athletes has gotten significantly better quickly under Jeff Scott. But for immediate impact, we can't discount the uh, transfer portal. Who do you see, if anybody, coming out of that area and making a difference for USF right away? Um, there's, there's a few guys. That, and, and again, I think this may be like a one-year example. I don't think Jeff Scott's going to want to make a living on the transfer portal. He's a pretty big believer in, in uh, building your recruiting base and developing players, which I think is the, is the best way to, to do it long-term to build a major college program. Um, however, this is an unusual situation, and there are some, some holes that need to be plugged. Um, there's a running back named uh, Darian Felix, who was at Oregon, who is from the state of Florida that um, – you know, again, we've, we've seen very limited time with him on the field at USF, but by all accounts, he's a guy that, that could end up being the, uh, the uh, primary ball carrier, and he's a big play guy. And, uh, uh, you know, if he can, if he can do what uh, his reputation suggests, USF may have, may have a, a real find in the, in the backfield. Um, I would say uh, he's, he's pretty much uh, – the, the guy I would say is number one. Uh, they have a tight end from uh, Northern Illinois, Mitchell Brinkman, that has really turned a lot of heads. And, of course, they lost Mitch Wilcox from last year, probably the best player on the team. And But if Brinkman, Brinkman can come in and, and fill the hole there at, at tight end, he's another guy that, that could warrant uh, 
a lot of attention. So um, those are the two that stand out to me most. And then there's uh, a fleet of, of, of really largely unknown freshmen that we haven't seen on the field yet uh, that have great high school reputations. So, you know, wait and see. But uh, job, jobs are there to be won for sure at almost every position. And uh, we'll see who can step up. Has there been – has he publicly stated this for Jeff Scott? An adjustment period, given that he's been at Clemson since 2008, and when you consider the wealth of talent he got to work with at Clemson, and you know it helps when you have Trevor Lawrence throwing your wide receivers the ball, has he commented at all about kind of the – adjustment of going from that amount of talent to having to kind of build up guys at USF? Um, the only thing I would say on that is uh, he's, he's you know, not going to say that USF is going to take a back seat in the talent category. And again, I don't think, I don't think uh, he should. Uh, the natural resources of this program have never changed and they continue to be a huge selling point and really the major reason why he is here. Uh, and Jim Levitt said it from day one is your, your recruiting budget could be a tank of gas. You are surrounded by players. So your goal, your mission is to keep them at home. If you uh, draw a 60 mile radius around uh, the campus of USF, you've got enough blue chippers to have yourself a great program. So he's got to build a fence around the area recruit selectively around the state and around other parts of the region and uh, not saying that he's, you know, going to attract, uh, you know, the top quarterback in the country or a Trevor Lawrence type player, but USF should not have to apologize for the level of players it is recruiting. And uh, he believes that high level players that could play in any conference in America could and should come to USF. And I believe with his personality and his track record, he's got a great chance to attract those kind of kids, and he's already showing signs that he can do that. You know, Joey, uh, that uh, triggered a memory a little bit, and I'm sure you'll remember this. When Howard Schnellenberger was taking over at Miami, the Hurricanes were kind of a piddling little program back then. They, they really weren't utilizing their potential. And remember when he created the state of Miami? Yeah. And he said that – yeah, he drew a line. He said, we're going to get every good player in South Florida to to come to the University of Miami. And he darn near did. And we know the result, that they became a juggernaut. Uh, there's no reason that USF shouldn't be able to do the same in the Bay Area. Now, my question to you is this. To do that, you have to have a great relation with the local high school coaches. And it seems like every coach we've had at USF – yeah, okay, he's going to build the bridges to the local high school coaches, but it never quite seemed to happen. Willie Taggart, maybe, but uh, not so much for the other guys. Um, do you see evidence that that bridge is being built by Jeff Scott? Yeah, I absolutely do. And not only the high school coaches, but uh, anybody with a stake in the program, the high-level boosters, uh, the media, I mean, Jeff Scott was gifted with the personality of his father, Brad Scott, and and his uh, mentor by birth, Bobby Bowden. Uh, he is from that school where he knows how to uh, treat people. He knows how to uh, 
uh, get people uh, in, a, in, a, in a good frame of mind, knows how to sell his program. Uh, that's his strength of strengths. One thing I, I witnessed was at a, uh, a basketball game uh, not long after Jeff Scott had been hired. Uh, you know, he was there and he got, you know, the introduction and the cheers from the crowd. But I, I kind of watched him and he, I, I don't, I don't want to say he talked to everybody who was in the gym, but he certainly talked to most of them. He worked that crowd like nobody's business. And that is what he does. He knows how to shake hands, meet and greet, remembers names, makes connections. And he does that with kids too. So um, this is going to be a new era in terms of uh, personality of the head coach, a welcoming attitude and a selling attitude. Okay, Joey, you mentioned Bobby Bowden and um, Jeff Scott's dad, Brad's um, history with Bobby Bowden and everything. And you talked about Jeff, you know, going into the stands and meeting the students and remembering the names. That was Bobby Bowden's greatest gift. He, he could meet you once five years ago and see you uh, out somewhere and it'd be like you were his long lost buddy. Um, if, if Jeff has that kind of charisma and gift, then USF really does have something special there. Yeah, and he does. Uh, in my uh, conversations that I've had with him, not a lot of them, but certainly the ones I've had have all been memorable. And he, he is that guy that looks you in the eye, carries on a conversation, asks questions about your family and, and where you've been in life. And uh, he will do that with kids and coaches and, and boosters and media and any stakeholder that USF has and make a great impression. And again, uh, he may not get every player uh, that he wants to get, but he's going to be in the conversation for most of them. And if USF can get back in a winning way, uh, that combined with his personality is really going to help attract uh, some great players to the campus of USF. Uh, last couple questions here for you, Joey. How are stadium talks going right now? And how is the pandemic uh, affected those talks? I mean, you know, uh, I don't know if, what's behind back burner, but whatever it is, put it there for the moment. Uh, you, can't, you can't go there um, realistically, uh, and that would include the uh, indoor facility. Uh, you don't uh, – we, we've had a major earthquake and major tremors, and we have not even begun to assess the damages yet financially. Uh, and and, and if, if we don't have football, then the damages are, are beyond severe. So, um, realistically, I think you almost have to project this year out when things are back to normal, hopefully, when you can know what fundraising uh, streams you have available and, and where you sit. So, I think that went from the, the beginning of the conversation to the end of the conversation. Again, we're, we're day-to-day. We're just trying to get on the field and, and see what we can do. So, um, that is... Uh, like some practices uh, in all sports on pause, I guess you should say. Well, Joey, um, as you know, a number of schools have just dropped certain sports entirely. And we saw that UConn um, announced that they would not play football this year. In your, have you heard any scuttlebutt or, or any rumors at all about USF's plans in that direction? Are any sports in jeopardy there, do you think? 
Um, I mean, realistically, you can't you can't overlook that possibility. But I will say that uh, that uh, Michael Kelly, the athletic director, has really uh, been pretty diligent about preserving uh, jobs, sports, and scholarships, which from the get-go were his three priorities. Uh, there haven't been any furloughs or job losses or pay cuts as yet or dropped sports as yet. Um, not to say that couldn't happen in the future, but, but they've, they've held the fort so far and we're, we're almost to school starting in the fall. Um, so they, they've, you know, they've, they've maintained status quo, but again, it's hard to predict uh, the future. If, uh, you know, I think you have to say realistically, if there's no football season, then you can't, you can't have that and not have consequences. But again, we can't, we're not going to go to that until uh, that's, that's a real thing. And, and right now, at least on paper, they are planning to play football and we'll see what happens in the coming weeks. All right, last question for me. If and when they play football, what record would be – win-loss record would be considered a success for Coach Scott? Um, I think uh, anything 500 or better would be a, a huge success. Uh, you have to look at the perspective of the last two years, a 7-6 and six season, which included six straight losses after a 7-0 start and a dismal – home bowl loss in the rain against Marshall. Uh, last year was, was you know, uh, a bit of a disaster at four and eight. Uh, very, very difficult to score points, if not touchdowns. Um, so coming off of that, anything that w- would, re- would resemble a competitive 500 or better record and, and perhaps get them into a postseason situation would be a – a huge success. That's not what you want to settle for, but I think in this season, that will be a great, a great result and perhaps a gateway to much, much bigger things, which really is why he's here. Much, much bigger things would translate into winning a conference title, playing in a major bowl game with all that USF football has achieved. They still have not achieved those things. And that is really why he is here and what he is after first and foremost. Well, we can remember that when uh, Scott Frost went to UCF and they were coming off a winless season um, and he took over, he had a a losing record the first year and then the next year uh, UCF exploded and and he became one of the toasts of the town in, in college football. So that kind of leap is possible for USF. I really believe it. And, um, it's going to take a little more patience. And I know Bulls fans have, have been fed that for what now, Joey, 30 years. But um, it, it is necessary. And I do think they have the right guy this time. I really do. Yeah, they do. And, and you know, and, and really you can't, you can't talk about USF football without at least acknowledging what's happened at UCF. It's, it's, it's pretty impressive. I think anybody, you know, you can – you can spin it however you want to, but you have to pay some homage to what they've done at UCF. Uh, just watched uh, a little bit yesterday on ESPNU. They had UCF Day at 24-7 UCF games. I mean, the marketing uh, uh, mechanism that they've built there is is pretty impressive, and they've gotten some some great results. But to your point, they they had a bad situation. They turned it into a good one pretty quickly, and there's no reason why that can't happen at USF. 
at least to that degree, maybe even to a higher degree, because the same sort of resources and uh, uh, infrastructure is in place, and and it just has to be put together and, and led in a cohesive fashion. And you know, I I have to think that Jeff Scott on paper is the kind of guy that you want leading that parade. So he's in place, and hopefully the good things will follow. All right, we. Well, Julie, uh, I really, yeah, I, I appreciate your time. Um, like I, like I said up front, there's nobody more plugged in than you. And uh, we'd love to have you back again sometime. Anytime, guys. Anytime. I, I, uh, I'm proud of both you guys, the Hendersons. You've made uh, great lives for yourselves, and I enjoyed the podcast. Wish you, wish you all the best with it and hope it continues to thrive. All right. That's Joey Johnson with Tampa Sports of the Hendersons talking about USF football. Joey, thanks for joining. Absolutely. Thank you, Ben. Thank you.